morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Leading Off. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. With me, as always, is my producer and world-famous caricature artist, Brendan Tuma, and you can find him on Twitter at TooMuchTuma. We had a full slate of games yesterday, so there is plenty to discuss, including, of course, Mike Trout leaving last night's game against the Brewers with a strained groin, Chris Sale raising his owner's level of concern with a dud against the Blue Jays, and some White Sox infielders who are quietly breaking out. But we must start with Mike Trout, who was removed from last night's game against the Brewers with a strained right groin. Okay, deep breaths, people. If you are waking up to this news and you are a Trout owner, you think that this is a terrible development, but trust me, if you were awake when he was removed and then went to bed without knowing what happened, you think that this is good news. Let's break down what we know. The Angels have labeled Trout day-to-day. The injury was not immediately apparent. It is not like he was running and pulled up lame or something like that. He simply did not come out for the Angels after their turn at bat in the bottom of the third inning. Finally, and most importantly, Trout was shown on the broadcast looking relaxed and laughing on the dugout steps with Brad Osmus after he was removed from the game. In other words, from everything we know, this injury appears to be minor and is a true day-to-day situation. Now, the Angels are off on Thursday, so at the very least, Brad Osmus will likely hold Trout out tonight to give him two days rest. But for now, let's let a little optimism reign for Trout, who singled twice before departing to raise his average to a tidy 406. There is no such optimism for Chris Sale, however. If you are a Sale owner, your Tuesday began pretty well, actually. First, there was word from Alex Cora that Sale had been sick prior to his last start against the A's when his velocity was down, and any explanation particularly a benign one, is comforting. Next, Sale started off his outing against the Blue Jays, throwing gas, hitting 95 miles per hour on the radar gun during the first inning. But that's where things took a turn. Sale allowed two runs in the third inning, and three more in the fourth, before being removed from the game. Sale's ERA through his first three starts over the last five seasons, 2.66, 2.37, 2.35, 1.25, and 1.06. This year through three starts, nine, and a 1.54 whip to go with it. Now, if you watch Sale's start, you know he wasn't terribly lucky here. A lot of the hits allowed were ground balls and not hit particularly hard, and his velocity was certainly improved from his last start. But I mean, it is really, really hard to think about starting Sale right now, even against the Orioles in his next start. This was against the Blue Jays, guys. It's a team that doesn't even try to hit the ball until the fifth inning. The Red Sox are throwing out a bunch of different explanations at this point, for Chris Sale's slow start. This is deliberate. We're holding him back. He was sick. But Sale himself said yesterday that he has never been this lost on the mound in his life. The bottom line is, if you own Sale, you really can't do anything but bench him. There is no point in selling low, and you are obviously not cutting him. Just do your best to weather the storm. Sale's opponent, Matt Shoemaker, had another solid outing, allowing two earned runs and striking out four over five and two-thirds innings. Shoemaker now has a 0.92 ERA and 0.71 whip on the season, and is 3-0. To throw cold water on this, as I like to do, Shoemaker has faced the Tigers, the Orioles, and the Red Sox, three of the easiest matchups for opposing pitchers right now, and I am sorry, Red Sox fans, but that is true. Shoemaker, though, has a great split-finger fastball, and he has the most success in his career when he just pumps it nonstop. He threw it 29% of the time in his start, yesterday, and he's thrown it 30% of the time overall this season. If he sticks at that number, he is going to be able to sustain some success. Now, personally, I am a very tough guy to move off my preseason feelings on a player, 
but I would probably be willing to give Shoemaker a run in his next scheduled start against the Twins. You guys remember when you laughed at me for telling you that Jesse Winker wouldn't hit 059 all year? Well, after yesterday's big game, he's up to 103. Taste it, nerds. Look, Winker hit his first home run of the season on Tuesday in the Reds' absolute bombardment of the Marlins. And this is what I tell people when they ask me once an hour whether they should drop Winker. Of course you can. But the Reds have played 10 games. That is the equivalent of a football team playing one game. A player's performance in his first football game of the season would likely not change the opinion you had of him after a full offseason of research, right? So if you believed in Winker, as I did, then you should still believe in Winker, as I do. That said, yes, the Reds have a crowded outfield and there is a risk of Winker losing playing time if he continues to struggle. But I believe in the skills and hopefully his home run helped calm some of his owners. And I hope that those who believed in Jerks and Profar, Jonathan Scope, Brandon Nimmo, and Jake Bowers feel the same way after each of them hit their first homers of the season, and in Scope's case, hit his first and second homers of the season. I'm sure, like me, you are looking at the waiver wire in your league and seeing several players that you would like to pick up. And in fantasy baseball, you have to make some tough choices, so if you feel like you cannot wait around for these guys, or you desperately need a new pitcher that's out there, you do what you need to do. But preseason projections are based on a ton of data, and a slow week or two is not enough to change my mind personally. Now, although the Reds scored 14 runs last night, Winker's home run would have been more than enough for Luis Castillo, who earned his first win yesterday by throwing seven shutout innings, allowing just two hits and a walk while striking out eight. Castillo now has a 0.92 ERA and 0.66 whip, and opposing hitters are batting 082 against him this season, and you heard me right. Once again, he leaned heavily on that gorgeous changeup last night. He threw that pitch 27% of the time, and once again threw his two-seam fastball just 15% of the time. This is a very, very simple change, but it's an important one. We talked last week about how Castillo looked like he was limiting his use of his two-seamer this year after allowing a 295 batting average against that pitch last year. And again, last year he used the pitch nearly 22% of the time. If he keeps throwing it in just that 15% of the time range, as he's been doing throughout his first three starts, and instead he makes up that delta by using his other excellent pitches, he could be in line for a monster year. He'll get a big test in his next start against the Dodgers. Well, now that I've got you all jolly with that happy Luis Castillo recap, let's throw some cold water on you by talking about Mike Clevenger. You remember Mike Clevenger, don't you? The guy who left Sunday's dominant start against the Blue Jays with back tightness, but said he expected to make his next start? Well, his estimation is going to be off by about 15 to 20 starts after he was placed on the injured list with a back strain on Tuesday. Clevenger won't throw for six to eight weeks, and as usual, I advise you to read the fine print. That does not mean he will be back in six to eight weeks. That means not throwing for six to eight weeks. Realistically, you could be looking at closer to the all-star break for Clevenger's return. This is obviously a huge blow to fantasy owners. Clevenger had yet to allow an earned run in either of his first two starts and had struck out 22 in 12 innings. He looked ready to jump to that next level and still might, but it won't be for a few months. The Indians have not yet named a replacement for Clevenger in case you're looking to pick on the Royals. Now, when any pitcher or any player gets injured, you really need to think whether it's short or long-term. Short-term, you're thinking about who can get me through the next week or two based on their matchups, their current performance, etc. Long-term, it's who can I use fairly reliably for the next few months. And here, to be clear, that is the way you need to be thinking about Mike Clevenger. I will reiterate my love for Merrill Kelly in deeper leagues, and I think he can be a fairly reliable starter going forward and is still widely available. 
Now, the news is equally bad for Luis Severino, who is diagnosed with a grade 2 lat strain and will be shut down for six weeks. This is a new injury, guys, so if you are looking for optimism, you are looking in the wrong place. Like Clevender, Severino is shut down, not expected back, shut down for roughly six weeks, so we're probably looking at the all-star break for him too. As with Clevenger owners, Severino owners need to start thinking long-term, and Domingo Herman should likely stay in the Yankees' rotation even longer now. When they hosted Weekend Update together, Seth Myers and Amy Poehler had a segment called Really? with Seth and Amy. There they'd talk about all the stuff about which they were incredulous. As my hero Liz Lemon would say, it was funny because it was true. So as I was watching some games tonight, those skits kept popping into my head. So let's have a little fun. Blake Parker pitched the seventh inning in last night's Twins win over the Mets. Really? I mean, can we get just one closer situation that is not ridiculously jumbled? Parker had pretty much been the undisputed closer for the Twins thus far, so this is really, really frustrating. Now, I get the thinking. The Twins had a three-run lead, the Mets had a runner on, so the game is getting tight, but come on. Incidentally, Trevor May pitched the sixth inning, so don't worry there. The Phillies had a save situation, and Adubre Ramos got the call in the ninth inning. I mean, really? Gabe Kapler is, is legitimately just trolling us now, right? Either that, or he has some crazy prop bet over five and a half relievers getting saves for the Phillies this year. Thankfully, Ramos blew the save, and the Phillies lost the game, so we can go back to feeling really confident that either David Robertson, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Hector Neris, or Pat Neshek will get the next save chance for the Phillies. Freddie Peralta got destroyed by the Angels after he dominated the Reds in his previous outing. Okay, I'm getting rid of really here and replacing it with, uh, yeah, obviously. Peralta allowed six runs in the first inning against the Angels before being charged with seven runs in just three and one-third innings. This is what we have said nonstop about Peralta. He is going to have some great outings, followed by outings that make you wish you had never played fantasy baseball, and you're never going to know when it's coming. Own Peralta at your peril, and it'll be kind of fun. It'll be like dating that crazy person where when things are going well, you feel like you can lift a car, and when it's not, you're huddled in bed for three days, crying into a bowl of Frosted Flakes until they're so soggy that they don't even taste good anymore. I'm not the only one who did that, right? Anyway, Yuan Moncada and Tim Anderson are playing really, really well, guys. Moncada hit his third home run of the year yesterday against the Rays and is now slashing 326, 370, 628. Moncada talked openly about doing what I heard the Mets call back in the day, strike hunting. Essentially, it's attempting to combat being too passive at the plate and really going aggressively after pitches in the strike zone. It is early, but the results are promising. Moncada is currently swinging at 68.1% of pitches in the strike zone versus 63.9% last year, and he's making contact on those pitches 85.7% of the time versus 79.8% last year. Strike hunting is working for Moncada, and it's also going to be what I name my eventual TV pilot about bowling. So I'm totally buying the breakout here. Tim Anderson says to Moncada that I see your slash line, and I raise you a 515, 529, 758 mark. Yes, Tim Anderson is batting 515. Anderson also has two home runs and three steals so far. Now this looks, as the kids would say, fluky. Anderson has a 28% hard hit rate and a 12% line drive rate, and it may just be me, but that does not really scream like the type of profile that results in a 565 BABIP. He has also walked just 3.3% of the time, right in line with his career, so we're not even seeing growth there. Go ahead and sell high on Anderson if you can, though remember, he is basically a very reliable 2020 threat, so don't just give him away. 
Now, there is a lot more I want to touch on here, guys, but the whole point of this is to give you some quick hitters. So let us run through some final notes at ridiculous speed. Clayton Kershaw had an excellent second rehab start, allowing just two runs, both on home runs in the sixth inning. He had six strikeouts and no walks, and his stuff looked very good according to scouts in attendance. His next start will likely be in the majors, either Sunday against the Brewers or Monday versus the Reds. And there's an empty spot in the rotation as Hyunjin Ryu was officially placed on the injured list with a left groin strain. Along with Ryu, both David Dahl and John Lester were officially moved to the injured list. There's no word on how much time either one will miss, though Dahl himself stated he expected to miss the minimum time. Tyler Chatwood is probably going to be the guy in place of Lester, while Rymel Tapia, who batted second last night for the Rockies against the Braves, should see increased playing time in Dahl's absence. Speaking of that Rockies game, Herman Marquez struggled pitching at home, allowing five runs on seven hits while striking out just two. He should rebound in his next start at the Giants. As for his opponent, Max Fried, well, get your fab ready. Fried allowed just an unearned run and struck out four over six innings. Fried should be added everywhere and started against the Mets in his next time out. Jacob deGrom's quality start streak ended at 26, tied with Bob Gibson for the longest in Major League history. DeGrom just really didn't have it on Tuesday, allowing six runs over four innings against the Twins, and he will look back and probably will bounce back in Atlanta in his next start. Now, one man who does not need to bounce back is Pete Alonso, who homered twice last night. He now has five home runs and a 13.52 OPS in his first 10 games. He also has 10 barreled balls on the year, tied with Gary Sanchez for the major league lead. Pitchers will adjust to Alonso, but 30 home runs are easily attainable. The Mariners beat the Royals 6-3 to move to 11-2, just like we all expected. Jay Bruce homered again, and Daniel Vogelbach went 3-5. for five. But Anthony Swarzak got the save, and he is the one to focus on because we talked about the former two yesterday, but you need to make sure you own Swarzak, who is still widely available. He is the closer in Seattle, without question. Alex Bregman left last night's game against the Yankees after he tweaked his hamstring. He is considered day-to-day, but like Trout, this sounds minor for now. At the very least, you can expect him to miss today's game against the Yankees to give him the extra day of rest with the Astros off Thursday. Dansby Swanson homered last night and is now slashing 324, 419, 765. This might be real, guys, but I am going to reserve judgment for now. I feel like there will probably be a Swanson segment coming up at some point soon once I have a chance to dive into the data. Finally, Derek Holland had an excellent start against the Padres, allowing just one run on seven hits with nine strikeouts over seven innings and earning the win. Holland was largely discounted in drafts this year, despite last year's stellar performance. But pitching in Oracle Park, he really should be relatively safe. He will take on the Rockies at home in his next start, where I would feel fine about deploying him. And that is all for today's version of Leading Off. Make sure to subscribe to the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast. Check your feed every weekday morning. Again, you can always find me on Twitter at DanHarris80 or Brendan at TooMuchTuma if you want to talk about the show or just baseball generally. Enjoy your Wednesday, everyone. I'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs>